Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick. And in this episode, this is a preview of the Grizzlies Warriors game that I did. I was a guest on the Grizz Den podcast. Some uh, cool dudes out of Memphis. And it was a fun conversation. We talked a whole bunch of stuff about this game, the past, Dylan Brooks, the Fallon GP2, Steph, John Morant, parallels between them. Uh, similarities between the Grizzlies of the present and the Warriors of the past. So it was cool. It was cool. It was my first time talking to like real, real hardcore Memphis Grizzlies fans. And I dug it. I dug it. I had a lot of fun and we went on for a while. So uh, in the show notes, you'll see all the topics that we talked about. Enjoy and hey, happy holidays. Welcome to a special first ever Christmas game day preview of the Grizzden Pod. Uh, Will Walker was actually gracious enough to let me do my first ever Grizzden hosting. So if there's some bumps in the road, I'm really sorry. I normally just sit back and y- y'all know me, just hang out and talk versus actually host this thing. So I'm going to put on my, my Jim Nance and try to make this happen. But today I'm super excited. We're joined by Patrick Apino, who runs the Oakland Warriors podcast. So make sure you go look him up. His stuff is great to kind of uh, pay attention to uh, whenever you're wanting to dig into the Warriors, whether it's the Grizz about to play the Warriors, like Christmas Day, uh, or if you just are kind of curious what's going on, he's got great stuff. His YouTube um, was actually really fun for me to dig into. You can find that at Oakland Warriors within YouTube and all of his podcasts on all, I'm sure, uh, streaming platform channels that we're all on that give us video content of you as well. Um, Patrick is part of the Basketball Podcast Network, TBPN, uh, which is a mouthful, by the way. Same code as DraftKings. What's up, sponsors? And uh, so we're super excited to actually have him as our first guest within the network on an official capacity. So, Patrick, thank you for being here. This is super fun for Ty and I. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm looking forward to it. When you first approached me about doing something, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great game. And now yeah. I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. The, the the Grizz lately have had a really, they've done really great at making teams that have been struggling or not struggling uh, beat them. So, you know, that could be part of the narrative that we talked to today, but also welcome Ty. Hey, thanks. Appreciate Ty that. Ty Smith Sr. in the house. Glad Happy to have to you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So a couple of show notes. We're recording this on Thursday, the 22nd at 710. Uh, Patrick, I didn't tell you this in our little pre-talk, but in Memphis right now, it went from like 45 degrees to 18 in a span of 30 minutes. Uh, mm. This really weird like polar vortex thing swooped in. So if like, I don't know, Memphis shuts down because of ice or something, then, you know, whatever. It was a fun show. But so all that to mean is that the Grizz have not played the Suns. That's tomorrow night, the 23rd. And then we go from the Suns, have a day of rest, and then we play in Golden State or at Golden State um, for that Christmas Day game, which is obviously the reason that we're all here together is to sort of talk about that and preview that together. Um, it's, a, it's a fun thing. And the Grizz have never actually played on Christmas Day. Um, so you'll be able to catch that game at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, sort of a headliner game that – to your point, Patrick, uh, had a lot of buildup and uh, maybe we're creating some drama leading up to the game. And I think that's one of the things from a Grizz angle I just want to hit at the top, literally about an hour and a half ago. And uh, me, Ty, Kraft, and Will, who are the other two guys, um, Patrick, that run the Grizzden pod with us, 
Um, the, the Grizz PR put out a tweet saying that Desmond Bain was questionable for tomorrow night's game, which sort of in uh, the way that the Grizz medical staff uh, runs our and the PR team work together, that may be indicating that if he's not back tomorrow, then he's highly likely to be playing Christmas Day, which we have not seen Desmond Bain um, for at least a month. We have not seen Bain, Triple J, and Ja play together at all this entire season. Um, so first, Ty, just wanted to maybe shoot to you really quickly. What was your what was your emotion when you saw that tweet come through, man? Just elation. So yeah. excited. Uh, so Thank you. We talked about this, I don't remember when. Maybe it wasn't on a podcast. It wasn't, actually. Um, so the classic cryptic uh, tweet, Patrick, I'm sure y'all's players occasionally will do that too. Desmond Bain just tweeted like the eyeball emoji, but it was actually during the World Cup. So everyone was like, oh, was that pertaining to like Messi doing something crazy or (laughs) is this an update? And then John Morant quickly commented underneath that, like a picture of them two, like embracing during like the, you know, announcement of the starting lineup. So I think I knew it was coming soon. Um, You could feel the Christmas day. I was kind of hoping that would be game one. Uh, Looks like he may play against Phoenix. Um, but yeah, if, if these last couple games, so Patrick, we played OKC and lost, uh, pretty much wire to wire and then play the Nuggets on national TV. I'm not sure if you watched that game or not. Also lost wire to wire. Neither one were really close. And yeah. basically what the defenses were doing is just packing the paint and sagging off everyone. And we couldn't hit open shots. I think we missed our first 10 against the Nuggets. Threes, that is. Yep. So, Bain, just, he's he's like maybe the most important player on our team offensively. Um, he's just a huge – he's a must. You have to have him um, for everything to work. I feel like when he's there, defenses can't continue to play the way they've been playing the last couple games. He just – he's so dynamic, especially coming off any any form of shooting. He's exceptional. Um so, yeah, it's going to be huge to get him back for sure. And so the other little thing just to sort of uh, lead into this discussion, Patrick, is that Ja was interviewed by Malika Andrews, and this little snippet kind of got picked up on Aggregator and went viral and sort of weird Grizz Warriors Twitterdom or whatever it is that one <laughs> pays attention to their socials. And he was essentially sort of like asked, like, hey – when you're watching, you know, the NBA, like who are you scouting, paying attention to in terms of, you know, who you're worried about? And he was like Celtics. And then Malika was like, no one else in the West. And he was like, nah, I'm good with the West. <laughs> and so it's just kind of like a, just a classic jaw thing. But like, I'm sort of curious, like, even if we were talking about it, like, does that, what does that do? Does that even do anything to a Warriors fan? You're like, dude, we've won so many championships. Like, don't even come talk to me, dude. Or like, are you like, no, nah, I kind of, I can kind of, I feel you coming at me a little bit. What's what's the, what's kind of Warriors fans? You, what do, what do y'all feel when you see that kind of stuff? Um, I think it's interesting because, you know, I've been a fan for for a long time, and when the Warriors were terrible, like you're always looking up at all the other teams. You know what I mean? When you get close, you're looking totally not. So steeply up, maybe, you know, but you're not there just yet. And then once you're there, it's like, okay, you know, uh, and yeah. as a fan during this dynasty, 
it's very much like you've seen so much top level trash talk and all this stuff going across that it's uh it's like okay you know that's cool that's fine you know and you know the other thing to me is that as a Warriors fan who does a podcast episode after every game uh like it's so I'm so much more uh involved in what the Warriors problems are that like that's just mm. noise to me like I don't I don't care you know what I mean like right uh, yeah the <laughs> we accept the fact that there's a ch- very good chance that the Grizz could come into Chase Center and just, you know, do what the Nets did or do what the Knicks did. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm hoping for something more competitive, but you know, that's like uh, the concerns for me as a Warriors fan are what's going on with the team and where the team can get to by the springtime, by April f- uh, 15th yeah. when the playoffs start or a week before if we're in the play in, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of jaws. Like I think, uh, uh, you know, I, I like his, his competitiveness. I like that. He, he speaks up and, yeah. uh, you know, the, the first time I caught wind of it in my kind of warriors universe was when he, he trash talked Andre Godala. Uh, for not wanting to go to Memphis, right? And that was something yep. that I think, like, in the media, like, the whole situation with Iguodala was kind of misconstrued for, uh, you know, the narrative of it all. And that created, like, some, you know, inkling of a rivalry before those teams even ever met in a game that mattered. So, uh, you know, I, I appreciate good good trash talking, but but to me, something like that, it's like, right. okay, you know, like, that's that's, like, when your house is on fire and then like there's uh, uh you know two blocks away the, there's like a, a flooding you know what i mean like i, I, have, uh, I have bigger concerns yeah. right now you know yeah 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 uh, total. okay so you mentioned narratives and one of the things that we were sort of curious maybe just to hear you jump in is like what what are sort of the golden state warriors what were the narratives maybe you're entering in the season or the national narratives even like now that mm-hmm you are paying attention to that frustrates you that you sort of like following or, or again, like to your point, are you just not even really paying attention to some of those narratives as a fan and kind of the way you're thinking about things? Uh, About the Warriors in particular, um, just the, uh, like, you know how it is when there's any problems with the team, it's like, okay, who's the problem, right? Like over the past couple of years, it's like, I don't watch much ESPN or talking head stuff or when there's like a Stephen A. Smith talking on like a, a, a clip on Twitter. I don't really watch that stuff because I know a lot of that stuff. Obviously, the guy knows basketball, but it's designed for 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 clicks, for shares, for uh, argument, argumentative stakes. And that's why, like, honestly, not to not to hype up what what we all do, but like that's why I like listen to a lot of basketball podcasts because you get people who are like having these longer conversations where you can get nuance, where you can get insight as opposed to these hot takes that like skip Bayless and all those other folks do. Yeah. So for me, the ones that really bug me so far are that, Oh, the two timeline thing. Right. I mean, there is truth to that. Mm, Right. But it's like, they're really, really forcing this thing that it's like, it's all or nothing. And Mm. this was something that, after they drafted Kaminga and Moses Moody in 2021, they were saying, oh, they're going in on the two timeline thing. Well, you know what? That worked. Yes, you had some vets on the bench 
and whatnot. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's some issues, then it just got, and obviously <laughs> the other thing is, uh, when, uh, the, uh, when Draymond punched Jordan Poole, um, that I, I did an episode the day that news came out, not the video, but I was like, Oh, thank God there's no video because once there's video, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It becomes a huge distraction. It exists on the internet and you'll never be able to live it down. And then the next day, like there's video. And I was like, Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's those kinds of things. And, um, you know, uh, when I, when I take a step back and look at some of the other teams around the league and read some of their, uh, every team, every team's fans have complaints, right? And no one is just there yet. And, uh, yes, some teams are doing better than others, but, uh, the one thing that being, uh, uh, witnessing this dynasty is like, it affords the Warriors, especially coming off a title, uh, an ability to look at the season differently than yeah. at least when they weren't title contenders, right? It's like, it used to be like, oh, we got to do everything to get to the playoffs. And now it's like, let's get to the, let's get to March, April healthy in rhythm and let's win 16 games. That's what it's always been about. So like all these losses, yes, uh, the consistency is not there at, after like 33 games or something. Uh, but you know, we'll like, let's, let's see it play out. Right. And, uh, yeah. I think that for me, you know, <laughs> I've said that on my podcast and I've had a lot of people agree with me, but then a lot of people say like that, uh, I'm not really looking at the, the facts and the reality of it, but trust me when, when it gets to January and they're still looking bad, uh, then I'll start having some concerns because you could look at, uh, to me, it's always like December, right? But then once you flip the calendar, like that, that those few months look a lot shorter. So yeah. that's what I'll start looking at. Uh, okay. Do we make trades or do we, um, uh, yep. look for someone in the buyout <clears throat> market, uh, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So on that point, um, that's really interesting to hear because, for the most part, the Warriors content I get is from, yes, you know, I guess national media. The Oakland Warriors podcast. podcast. <laughs> it's the Oakland Warriors pod. Yeah. But like, so we listen to a lot of the Ringer, um, the Ringer stuff. We're pretty locked into that. Zach Lowe, um, Nate Duncan and his podcast. So that's usually where we are all getting our like Warriors content, right? Like it's really hard to watch the Grizzlies and all these other teams because like we don't do that for a living, obviously, right? So it's hard for us to just keep everything in order as far as like other teams. Um, so kind of piggybacking off of that, like I feel like the the two two timeline thing has been like a huge discussion because it's like. Who do we play? I know earlier in the season, like y'all starting lineup was like top five in net rating and y'all's bench was like really, really, really bad. Um, and everyone contributed that to the young guys, right? Like Kaminga's just, is he even a player yet? Like Moses Moody, like what is he ever going to be? Wiseman, is this like, are we giving up on this yet? Mm. Um, so regarding all of those topics, because I do feel like it is somewhat of a substantial comment too, right? Like that matters right now. Because if you look at Warriors in the past, like the guys y'all have had coming off the bench, like the Iggy's, even the Gary Paytons, um, 
Who's the guy who apparently who killed us in the playoffs from three? Y'all traded him to, or he went to Auto, Auto Porter. Auto, Auto Porter. Porter. Like y'all had those type Fucking of like murdered us. Just veterans who knew what to do, knew y'all system could fit, just like molded into this like you know Warriors at large the way that y'all play. And now you are starting to see like we don't really have those guys anymore, and maybe our bench is sacrificing a little bit. So. On that note, like, how do you feel about playing the young guys decently big minutes? How do you feel about kind of like having them, you know, play through their lumps, as Chris Vernon would say, um, versus, hey, let's let's maybe like sell on Wiseman and try to go get some decent veterans and like buy into this window that we have right now. Like, where where are you on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because the season went in with a lot of promise that, you know, they were going to be able to rest the guys because they had these uh, young dudes who could, you know, play through their mistakes and whatnot. And then the punch happened and then uh, the season started really, really strangely. And they went on that 0-5 road trip, which just cut the legs Mm -hmm. out of that whole idea. And then all of a sudden you really started to occur, started – having to chase some wins. And so like they couldn't play through the mistakes because like instead of losing those five games over the course of 20 games, they lost them all in like a week and a half. And so he pulled the plug on a lot of those uh, ideas. And uh, I think, I think it's a concern. I'd said early on that let's see where this team is after 20 games uh, with the idea that not that they would be like where they need to be, but that, you would get a better sense of who they actually are. And they sure. started looking better. But here we are with Steph Hurt, and they are three games as of this recording under 500. And you have to look at the standings. You have to make <laughs> the playoffs first in order to get Steph, Clay, Draymond you know, into the, uh, uh, into the discussion. So... You know, that's a big debate, you know, like after the last couple of games against the Knicks and the Nets, where the Warriors didn't look good. Uh, but then in the Nets game, Wiseman dropped 30 and he looked yeah. better. You know, he looked he looked fine. They got blown out by 30. So I think that, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, like it's it's the big question mark is the big question mark of right. of the season. And, you know, I don't put it all on the young guys because. Uh, the vets didn't come out the gate, you know, playing very well. Uh, Steph played well. Wiggins played well. They were both focused and didn't miss a beat from the playoffs. But everybody else, you know, kind of lollygagging. Clay had his issues. He he seems better, but like his his shot has been off. So uh, when you when you lose guys like Gary Payton the second and Otto Porter Jr. and even Nemia Bialica who Mm. (laughs) who like was good for parts of the playoffs. And uh, we always joke how he locked up Jason Tatum in the finals Uh, (laughs) (laughs) for the, for most of the regular season, you know, nobody, he, he wasn't getting playing time because he couldn't guard anybody. So uh, there's a lot of revisionist history sometimes, but when you think about it, like uh, Dante DiVincenzo, he's not Gary Payton in terms of athleticism and terms of wingspan, but he does, bring a better all-around game and he's willing to be pesky uh i i like that like to michael green you know we had hoped that he would give a little bit what Otto porter jr did and Mm -hmm. right now i just don't see it he's the big question mark in the rotation for me right now 
And then, um, yeah, I also like to point out though that like Gary Payton the second hasn't played a, a minute all year, Great and point. no no yeah. knock on him, but I'm just stating facts to 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 folks who yep. who say the Warriors screwed up. And then Otto Porter Jr. has played like just I think under ten games, and totally. maybe eight. Yeah. So uh, it's it's uh it, it's it's tough because they do need that veteran presence. And I think that's something that they need to figure out. Andre Godala is not playing. They're saving him for the spring. We'll see what that actually means. But at the end of the day, they, I hope they could pick somebody up, but I'm not exactly sure who that could be. Cause off the bench, it's just Dante DiVincenzo, you know, he's, mm. who's still young, but he's like, what, 26 has sure. a really good pedigree from Villanova and, and the Bucks. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's something that I think Bob Myers needs to look at. And, and when people were clamoring to trade Wiseman when he got sent down to the G league, uh, it's like, you know what? Like that's way too early to trade anybody, first of all. Sure. And, uh, his value was at the lowest. And then also, um, it's like, this is the way it plays out. Trade deadline is, is February 9th. And you have to get him some reps in the G League. You have to bring him up, showcase him. Hey, you put up 30 points. I guarantee you there's somebody out there who is like, oh, yeah, we could, we could use that, you know? Um, and yeah. that, that team could also be, you know, the Warriors. They could be like, oh, wow, we could use that. So it's either, uh, either if you, if you're pro Wiseman, you're like, okay, cool. Maybe there's a, uh, a way that he could fit. Or if you're anti Wiseman, then you're like, oh, great. You know, you should be happy. Then sure. uh, you might not get fleeced in a in a midseason deal. Sure. Um, yeah. Got it. Sounds yeah. eerily eerily similar to, little different, but similar to our Dylan Brooks conversation. It's just like, all right, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Um, can can I ask about Dylan like, Brooks? Yeah, absolutely. Can oh, I ask let's, let's go there. Put a timer on us there. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so so it's it's funny to me because I remember Dylan Brooks at Oregon. And I'm stunned oh, yeah, that sure. he was the best, most successful player off that team, right? The Warriors yeah. had Jordan Bell for a hot minute and uh, that he flamed out. And Dylan Brooks, I liked him. I was rooting for him. But then all of a sudden, when did he become like scowly Dylan Brooks? And, sure. and uh, is he a fan favorite <laughs> or, or, uh, or, you so, know, because I know his contract's up. So do you guys want to keep yeah. him, lose him? What's his so, deal? How about a, let me let me take the let me take the fan favorite part first, just yeah, for just for perspective, because like let me we're basically like Patrick, when, you're also pod, asking the wrong person about fan favorite right now. That that means I'm asking no, no, the right person. Well, it's like it's a very in the city of Memphis, it is a very controversial topic. I would say for sure. Most people that watch the go to Grizz games or watch the games, you know, it's a very accessible ticket in the city of Memphis, by the way, which is awesome, is are you a Dylan guy or not? Like everybody else, there's no question. That's the only player that gets that topic. And it is a very – I am of the heavy lean of not being a Dylan guy, uh, even though I fully respect the pieces that he adds as being very valuable. Um, so I'm not going to – people that listen to our podcast know where I stand on this. It is – a Whereas I would like to say the rest of my podcast brethren on the Grizz Den pod are more positive than I am when it comes to just that piece. And so I would just say that, like, it is a uh, 
big picture wise before Ty goes into maybe sort of more of like uh, the, the, the Dylan Brooks history, maybe we can write a you know summary of that <laughs> at some point and publish it. It is, it really is like, I mean, I'll have people that I don't even really know go to games who they'll hear. I do a podcast like, Oh, that's cool. It's like, what do you think about Dylan? And it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's the thing. No one's talking about Ja because they know he's awesome. Trip is starting to maybe, come into the second piece of that triple J where it's like, man, do you think that he can really reach his potential? Like you're kind of starting to get that from some people, at least I am from a casual fan, but for the most part, it's all, what do you think about Dylan? Where do you stand on Dylan? Wait, on that note, can I just say like, do you think, I know this is uh, you know, did you think his foul on Gary Payton the second was dirty? I would not I thought it was a hard foul. I would not have said it's dirty. I yeah. think it was really unfortunate the way he fell. And I think yeah. that was the problem. Like, if he falls any other way, no one's calling that play dirty, I don't think. But the fact that he fell the way that he did and he got injured, and I think is the reason. But what do you think? I mean, I thought That's a great it question. Was... I love that you asked that question. Yeah, I mean, I thought, like, it was because he it, the club into the head. And watching it full speed, it's something that, you know, people, I think the argument was like, oh, it was like full speed, like a, a bang, bang. Play. Sure. It, to me, it looked like he was, uh, you know, going for it or like going for making it look like he was like just it was not completely incidental. He was trying to take him out maybe not going for the head, but he was going up there. And to me, that's what makes it dirty. The landing is, is um, the landing is a landing, right? Like no one can control how sure. someone lands. Uh, so that's why I thought that was uh, a, a dirty play. And obviously, the, the suspension was uh, because of the the longer term injury and whatnot. So uh, sure. I did. I and did, I think you know? another the so uh, as someone who watches Dylan a lot, like yet, like you talked about, when did he become scowly? He's never been dirty. Like he really hasn't. Like he doesn't do dirty plays and he will get in yeah. your face. He will bark. He will do it like everything. But if you know, like if you watch him enough, it's crazy. He'll commit a hard foul and immediately help the guy up. Like mm. he's never been a dirty player. He really hasn't. That's why I think when, you know, Steve Kerr said he broke the code, which as a Grizzlies fan, just going to be honest, was just to me the dumbest thing I've ever heard from Steve Kerr, a coach <laughs> Draymond Green. Who, who who knows how many hand handful of times he's broken the code? But anyway, I think that's why it was just like Dylan's Coat not that guy. Like he's not, you know. And to your point, though, when you watch the play, especially as like a, you know, not even as a Grizzlies fan, just as any other fan of any team or any other sport or just a casual watcher, I'd be like, oh, that's dirty. So I 100% get your point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'll just say this on Dylan on on him. He just, you know, he. He sort of just like lacks athleticism. He's just a big bodied, thick. I mean, he's in the NBA, so he's athletic. But mm-hmm. in comparison to other like three and D types, you right. know, like I always like watch him like, man, this dude like could never play corner. Like he can't move his hips. He like shoots off the wrong foot all the time. And now that's become like a good thing when it really is just like he's just unathletic sometimes and he just does things very. In, 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 a, in an odd way at times. And so I think that that, you know, he got coached early on to make up for it with being very tough on the defensive end. He kind of got thrown into a Grizzlies team in his rookie year that had no identity, no offensive threats whatsoever. 
and all of a sudden this second round pick kind of looks like something, he's all of a sudden Kobe, you know, and, <laughs> and like, and, and, you know, it, he was kind of like the last pick of the former general management team before the team that's drafted trip, drafted jaw, drafted Bain, drafted all these guys. Dylan is the only holdover from the, at least from a draft perspective of those people. And so he kind of, I don't know, he just kind of represents to me, just represents like this old Grizz structure. And, mm -hmm. um, but his, his role is very valuable if he will play in his role. That's, that's mm -hmm. basically my summary of Dylan. Ty, clean up whatever you need me to clean up. Cause sometimes I can be factually incorrect, but I think no, everything I, think... I said about Dylan is accurate. I think that's a great point. I think the crazy thing to remember is to Brantley's point. So Dylan is the longest tenured Grizzly. So as a Warriors fan, like, can you imagine your longest tenured player being 26 years old? Like, plays in his yep. early 30s, Draymond's early 30s, sure. Steph's mid 30s. Like, they've all been there for so long. And I think up to this point, to Brantley's another great point is when Dylan got drafted, the, the Grizz were stepping out of a very productive era in the grit and grind. Dylan was like there right after that happened, but before anything else substantial had happened. So he was just kind of in, we were in limbo. We really didn't know what we were doing. We had no identity. Front office was just terrible. We really didn't know. So we put Dylan in a position to be like, all right, man, not only are you going to like defend, the other team's best player, but like you're going to create your own offense. You're going to try to create shots because we don't have anyone else could do it. Because Conley was hurt a ton towards the back end of his career. Um, Gasol, Mark was just kind of like fed up with it. He was like, Mark is such yeah. a strong. Like, I mean, he was he traded that year, right? Yeah, he, he was, was traded. Or I think the next year. Yeah. Um, but Mark just like he wants to play with a certain type of player, and if you're not that guy, he's just it's going to struggle. So I think that is a lot to do with. Oh wait, Dylan. maybe we did. Everything. Maybe I may be wrong, but it's I like feel it's like, like teaching a toddler bad them. habits, and then all of a sudden, when they're six, you expect them to just not do it anymore. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think he's in a, a, a. It's just been tough for him, trying to give him a little bit of credit to just completely change what he was always taught to do, and at Oregon, even to your point, like that guy was like a shot creator, you know, like for better or for worse, um, and they made a big run. Yep. Like he's been decently successful doing it. It's kind of like the old saying of like, if you're not extremely confident, they wouldn't be in the league. You hear like people say that like, well, if he wasn't wired that way, would he be here in the first place? You know what I mean? I think Dylan is like a prime example of that. Like if he wasn't wired the way that he was, he probably wouldn't be in the NBA, much less starting on a team that's tied for first in the West, you know? Yeah. Right, so the tricky right. thing about like what to do with him, I hope that wasn't too long winded. What to do with him, Patrick, is like the, that is honestly the forefront of all Grizzlies fans. And I'm, I'm guessing the forefront of the Grizzlies front office to your point, his contract is up. He's on a very team friendly deal right now. Like I'm pretty sure he's getting 11 million this year, which is like an absolute steal this summer. And that's also why he hasn't signed an extension because he's going to turn that down so he can get more money. Right. Like if we sign him to an extension now, he would only be able to get, I think a 30% raise or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's going to be looking for 20 million a year. Probably like a, maybe more. I don't know. Um, the Grizzlies have to decide, is this a guy, is this a starting three positionally? Is this a starting wing that we can win a championship with? 
because I think we are starting to enter in that phase. I love how you have one of the questions. Hopefully we'll get to it later. Are the Grizzlies true contenders right now? To be determined, I think that's a great, great question. And personally, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, but if you look, you know. Let's hold off remember, on that. Let's hold off on sure, that question. Yeah, yeah. If you got to remember like Josh yeah, yeah. 23, Jaron's 23, Dez is 24. Like these guys are crazy young, like very, very basically beginning their NBA journey, right? Like, for instance, Steph didn't make an all-star game till he was 25, right? Clay didn't make mm-hmm. an all-star game till he was 25, too, I think. Draymond, the same. Like, they're all, like, two or three years younger than even that. But everyone's also said, like, our window is opening now. And the thing with Dylan is, like, is he a guy that we know that if we sign him to that deal, can we win big? Not just can we succeed in the you know, regular season, be a second round of the playoff team like can we truly win a title if he's our starting three guard i think we're gonna have to make that decision because once you sign him to that lucrative deal like he's yours yes he can trick you can trade him if you know something doesn't go right but still like you sign him for him to be you don't sign him to trade him obviously um so i think that's a really interesting topic of you know can we do that moving forward two years from now three years from now right when he's 28 29 years old like, can we win with him? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. Like, will James Wiseman actually be on this Warriors team by the end of the season? I hope so. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. The app is super easy to use. Just pop it open, do what you got to do, and you're good to go. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Patrick, I'm curious. I'd love to kind of start jumping into getting into like our Christmas game preview a little bit, just going into some detail, just really quickly off the top. Like what was just your reaction when you saw that it was – because it was probably a foregone conclusion the Warriors were going to play Christmas Day, just really what time slot. What Mm -hmm. was your reaction when you saw that it was against against the Grizzlies? Uh, I was, I was excited. You know, there was so much, I mean, that was the, uh, series in the playoffs that worried me the most, honestly. Uh, and, uh, I will fully admit like a few years ago, I thought, you know, jaw was not going to be this good. I thought he was too small, too skinny. We'd seen so many dudes who were athletic. Uh, and I do have concerns that with, uh, as high as he gets up, and as thin as he is that one day he'll like, you know, you know, I don't want to put it out there, but just, you know, something yeah, no, he'll be here for it. a while. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, my, uh, like, my prayer circle, my prayer circle just received that. And, you know, we'll take that in. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and then the, that year that the Grizz beat the Warriors in the plan, uh, just a couple yep. seasons ago, 2020. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like I, I was like, okay, you know, like uh, I, yeah. I was surprised that the uh, Grizzlies uh, were that good, 
And then, you know, by the time we got to the playoffs last season, y'all made me nervous. You know what I mean? Because like what you guys had was uh, bravado, you know, which is what you need to beat a team like the Warriors. You need uh, youth, fearlessness that comes with youth and size and athleticism. You guys had like a lot of those things. And um, it took uh, it, it, it was a battle. It took the Warriors to pull out everything that they had from their uh I guess championship past, you know, just yeah. like what's what's yeah. in their their experience. So, you know, it was it was pretty obvious to me that it would be a game like it wasn't going to be the Warriors Mavericks. Like that didn't feel like anything, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah, no disrespect yeah, to the point. Mavericks as a team, but like yeah, it's the it's the Grizzlies where where it made the most sense. In the past the the Warriors had played like the the Cavs mm-hmm. on um you know during that LeBron era. Uh but, you know, Warriors Celtics to me doesn't even make sense on Christmas. So, right. uh, I, like I, like I said earlier to you, I was excited for it. And now I'm just, I'm actually just looking at this game and I want to see, um, you know, this is what's happened since Steph went out when Steph went out yep. with his shoulder. I, I, I think I said on an episode on my podcast, I was like, you know what? Embrace the fact that uh, it's going to be ugly for a while, that there's going to be some L's that pile up, but you have to look at the uh, games within the game and see progress and get through that that tunnel. And when Steph gets back and Wiggins gets back and, you know, 2023 rolls around, that guys like Dante DiVincenzo have continued to mm-hmm. get uh, mm-hmm. build more chemistry with his team, that John Kaminga continues to uh play like react rather than think on the court and he's been doing a great job of that for the past month that maybe Moses Moody can get ahead of two two-way guys uh and get into the rotation that James Wiseman can get out of the G League and show that he can play defense we know he can he can score you know the right. thing is like can he play defense can he rebound uh and that you know does he have enough dog in him you know what i mean i've been saying that since he got drafted that was my biggest question his rookie year and um Sometimes I, I think he has it. Sometimes I'm not exactly sure, but uh, the tools are there. So uh, not to, you know, kind of downplay the game at all, but uh, those are the things I'm looking for uh, going in and watching how they play a team like the Grizzlies who are, I'm assuming, coming in for, for blood. You know what I mean? No one feels yeah. sorry for the Warriors. No one's going to be like, oh, shucks, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I was like joking around with somebody. I was like, when, when Ja comes in at Chase Center and he's looking for Steph and Clay and instead he sees Ryan Rollins and uh, Ty Jerome, <laughs> is he going to be like, do I need glasses? You know what I'm saying? Like, is yeah. that Steph? Did he shave? Yeah. You know? um, so, but I, I'm looking forward to a, a good game. And the thing is, like, I've always wanted to see, uh, maybe it's because they both had meniscus tears, but I always wanted to see, uh, uh, as you call them, Triple J and Wiseman. Obviously, like, Wiseman is not there to get minutes against him in a fair way, Uh, but that's always been uh, a matchup that maybe further down the road I would look forward to uh, in general. So yeah. it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Unless, unless it's like for me, like a, a 30 point blowout, but you know, that's the thing. 30 point blowouts for this Warriors team. Uh, I, I used to say last season, the best games, my favorite games were the, the vet rest games on the back to backs on the road, uh, where the vets sit and they let the young guys run free. And 
those haven't been as fun this year, of course, but that's what you're looking for because right. you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of homegrown talent. And yep. mm. I think most real fans are, unless you're a Lakers fan, you just want to buy talent. But like, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what they rely yeah. on, like the free agency, right? It's like, oh, yeah. we, we want stars to come play in front of our stars, right? So, yep. uh, you know, you want to see, you want to see those guys grow and, uh, you know, that's, that's what makes that fun. And, and I would watch a 30 point blowout, not hoping for it. And I'm not like selling out my team or anything, but they've had a couple of those recently, but right. I would watch those to see how they compete because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for how these guys compete when you're getting your, your, your tail whooped, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's always something to look for, even at least for me in a game, uh, against, uh, the Grizzlies and I'm not conceding it, but yeah. I, what I hope for is that the Warriors can rise up and find some of that, that they found against the Celtics and they don't have Steph. Yeah. They might have Wiggins, but, um, Wiggins, you know, he, he'll obviously be a little bit rusty, uh, maybe a little bit out of condition. Uh, but if they can summon some of that competitiveness, if clay can have a good game at home, I mean, they, they live and die right now with, Clay and Jordan Poole with Steph and, and Andrew Wiggins out. And it just so happens that, uh, that Clay and Jordan Poole have been the Warriors' two most inconsistent players. So, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's what you just want to see people kind of get their, get their games right, uh, regardless and compete. You just want to see competition at the highest level. So, yeah. So that was going to be even one of my questions, just real, just a, on, on a quick note is, should Grizz fans expect to see everybody but Steph, essentially, you think, Christmas Day? Yeah, the uh, – Michael Green, I think, is <laughs> health and safety protocols. I don't know anymore how long that lasts. Okay. And – Former Dante Grizz, Dante by the way, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was on the t he was on the losing end of a lot of Warriors games, not just Grizzlies, but like on the Nuggets last season, and yeah. I believe oh, yeah. with the Clippers for a while. So, um, yeah. But he'll be out. Oh, he'll, he might be out, and then Dante Divincenzo. He's sick. Hasn't they haven't said what it is? It's not COVID, but th those are the the dudes. Andrew Wiggins hopefully is coming back. If they don't have okay. those guys, then you're basically out, what, one, two, three, like four of your top eight, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, then you get introduced to Ryan Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> but, Good to uh, know. That's what, that's what we're here for is discuss uh, those types of things that could be up and coming for sure. Uh, so, yeah. Ty, I guess one of the things that you were starting to mention one that I think a question that Todd written down was we, for a Grizz fan perspective, like a narrative that's not talked about on a national level at all. And so we're, we're not necessarily clamoring for it, but it just never really gets discussed. It's sort of just like the homegrown strategy that the Grizz, that the Grizz is doing, that they're doing that is sort of mimicking Warriors um, growth um, until they got to, you know, championship aspirations, were able to take advantage of the KD thing, you know, won a couple, once some more afterwards, obviously when he was gone. So I think one of the things that, you know, we've, we were wanting to ask you is like, do you sort of even like see from a fan perspective, like some similarities between uh, the franchises when you're sort of watching them kind of, cause it was all one of those things with the Warriors was like, 
they were kind of up and coming, up and coming, and then they were here, and they're here to stay because this, like, talent was just there. I think that's one thing Grizz fans are like, do we have that? Do we have kind of, like, this different talent base where we have a, a core of people that we built together where all of a sudden it's like we might just get here and now we're here for a period of time? Um, curious your perspective on that. Yeah, do you remember during the – the playoff series between the Grizz and uh, Warriors, somebody asked Clay Thompson if he saw any similarities. And I think he deferred and basically, I don't know verbatim, but he said no. Um, right. I thought that was just, you know, comp- competition and stuff. But I yeah. have always seen uh, in the last, I guess maybe since the play-in loss, uh, the Warriors play-in loss to you guys, uh, I've seen similarities because here's the thing: you guys have one transcendent talent right now, you right? Know what I mean, yeah, like, and that's what the Warriors had that made everything else work. And I see right. similarities in the way. Here, here's the funny thing, right? Like, uh, it's the similarities between John and Steph to me are that they <laughs> they're kind of unstoppable, but like one does it one way and the other does it another way. Right. Like, sure. John's better from three, but like it's always been about his athleticism, his getting to the uh, basket, everything, just putting pressure on the rim. And Steph did it starting 2009 from the outside. Right. The thing that always made him so different and dangerous was his ability to I mean, he he was never right. He's not the quickest guy, but I remember his rookie year, uh, a, a, a replay of him uh, kind of like turning like dribbling to the three uh three-point line and somebody guarding him him kind of like uh turning the ball over in his hand as if he was going to shoot the person jumping at that and then him just running right by i'd never really seen that too many times from the three-point line back then where just someone when they looked like they were about to shoot because his ability to go off the bounce is what made him really, really special. I mean, he's just a great shot maker, greatest shooter of all time. And his hand-eye coordination is is uh, uh, unmatched and his conditioning. But I think that's what made him different. And I think like with, with Jaw, you guys have that. It's just a, a different type of guy. So, yeah. you know, I look at a, a Desmond Bain and, you know, like... <laughs> There, there's an uh, analogous pair to like Clay Thompson to me in that respect, right? A guy that like, would he have been no disrespect to Clay, but like when he was coming right. out of college, I didn't expect him to be what he was, but like, you know, we all know that Steph helped make these guys as great as they are. Steph mm-hmm. is the, is the system. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't watch enough Grizzlies games, but, uh, you know, does Desmond Bain do this? Does he get the opportunity like this? elsewhere maybe maybe not you know and then you guys also have like a you guys have drafted pretty well i wanted zaire williams i can't believe you guys like took him at 10. i was like oh man we're gonna grab him we couldn't either (laughs) yeah we couldn't either okay are you guys happy with him because i haven't followed him is is he is he having a sophomore still out okay so the word around i'll go real quick the word around draft is that we were trying to get to 10 to then move up to like seven or eight and apparently we really wanted uh, Wagner and Giddy were our two big targets. And then both, mm-hmm. we couldn't get from 10. We couldn't get any higher. And yeah. so we were kind of at 10 being like, well, uh, yeah, yeah. 
we're going with yeah. Zaire here. Um, that and, was, you know, that may be completely false. The front office might have had their eyes on Z the whole time, but that yeah. was kind of the the Memphis fan narrative at that time. Yeah. But and also, yeah, like you, maybe Warriors fans don't know this, but Tayshon Prince is in our front office on the GM mm-hmm. side of things, and Zaire was a Tayshon, like that was Tayshon's guy, mm-hmm. and so he was okay. like, I, I, I vouch for him. He's evidently grown like another inch or two. If you if you sort of pay attention to him, watch. He's basically Jaron's height. He he's may like be half an inch shorter. He's grown. It's wild. He, he started. This will be interesting, you know, for for Warriors folks. He has only been playing. He's had like five games, maybe. He's sat out this entire first half of the year with like what they were calling tendonitis. That mm-hmm. some are speculating on the grist side. It was basically growth pains in his knee. Uh, because of he's very clearly grown at least another inch, inch and a half. And so mm-hmm. he needs to put some weight on. He's going to look he'll, – he'll have, like, a significant amount of rust to him. He has not had a great game yet, having come back. He's looking aggressive. They're clearly – you know, T. Jink, Taylor Jenkins, you know, loves to give everybody the green light, no exception to a player just coming back. So I, I, I'm – I'm sort of like I'm high on him. I think his body type and role has a huge fit on the team. Now, if he were, uh, he's on my like tradable list right now. Like he's a if if someone were to say he needs to be in like a OG trade or something like that. If like we really if we happen to actually go make a trade, which we're never going to, that's just not what we do. Um, mm-hmm. Or I'd be shocked if we did. Like he's not someone that I would like cry about. Um, but well, I'll give you Moses Moody. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, Moses was someone that we we were all like yeah, redraft like really high on him because he from Arkansas close by yeah like we're yeah. in SEC country we watched a lot of his games like a lot of people were super high on him so it's like been super interesting just watching his development with you guys and like I still sort of kind of want some stock in him honestly just based on some of the games that I've watched him play I mean he'll be he'll be good I mean he he got a start against the Mavericks in the Western conference finals and, and, uh, did, did just fine. So like, that's another thing him right through, but, uh, one, one more thing just on the uh, similarities. It's like, you know, the, I, the thing about Steph and jaw, it's like, you know, Steph is an all time player. Obviously jaws young. He's not there yet. Uh, can he be right? And it's a question of like the, the ankle yep. injuries got Steph early, but then he overcame them. Can jaw stay healthy? Can uh, the Memphis team, the organization, keep those guys together? Uh, and, and um, you know, it's like, can uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, he's obviously, you know, came out as a higher, uh, more highly touted prospect than, you know, a Draymond Green, if you just want to look at, like, right. you know, uh, three dudes uh, or like a team, a team's core. Uh, can he, like, how high can he go in terms of, in terms of that? But you know, the, the pieces are there. It's just a question of like, right. It's like, it's either like you turn out like, you know, it's, it, here's, you could either be like the warriors or you could be like the, the thunder, right? Mm. <laughs> like the thunder with James Harden and, and, totally. and, uh, and Russ, right. I'm sure you guys have thought about that a lot too. Yes. So it's, oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it doesn't come easily. And that's something that warriors fans uh, who uh, are nervous about, quote unquote, wasting a year of Steph's prime, uh, think about because, uh, it's not easy and it's, it's not, it's definitely not easy. Yeah. And uh, yeah. when you don't, when you don't have Steph, you're like, you know, good players in the league are just good players, right? Steph is 
sometimes right. you catch yourself taking him for granted the shots he makes and the gravity and, and just everything about when he's on the court. So, yeah. I think that's yeah. A, a good thing. Yeah, I'm going to miss. Go ahead, Ty. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that, like, even outside of – so John Kraft, another guy on our podcast, is he's like the culture king. Like, he's just obsessed with culture. Like, he just thinks that it, you know, it tops everything. And he – so he's always kind of tried to pin us as, like, the new Spurs, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, which, honestly, is very similar to, like, I guess you could say old Warriors, Warriors. but also, like, current Warriors. Mm-hmm. So – you draft your three guys, right? Not in the same year, but you draft Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And like you said, you keep them together. Yes, they fit really well on the court, but also it really feels like Steph is just the most bought in athlete of any like specific team I think I've ever seen. Like he is such a warrior and will always be a warrior. And everything done, every move that is made, everything the franchise organization does, like almost has him in mind and when you have a player like that so again with the spurs it's like the duncan thing right like tim duncan is our staple he will be here as long as the memphis grizzlies are in memphis or job being in memphis so him with the spurs right like if you look Mm -hmm. at steph steph will be like the face of the warriors for the rest of his life right regardless of who comes after it's steph it will always be steph so i think even like besides player comps it's like organizational comps too right yeah like we have our guy we've everything we've done brantley would probably agree it's with like john mind right like how do we prop him up what do we need to give him to get him to be as most successful we got him a coach that is like very in tune with him which i think is really cool very similar to steph and kerr right obviously duncan and pop too mm-hmm. um but also like the way that y'all I don't know if like slow playing it is the right word because y'all just like kind of let things develop back in the day, right? Like when he first got drafted, y'all didn't make like any flashy moves to be like, oh, we need this. Steph isn't going to do it or whatever that looks like. Or like maybe Steph, like you said, the ankle problems. So I think that's where we really see um, the comparison is mm. more so like yeah. 30,000 foot view level, right? Not necessarily right. even on the court. It's more like, gosh, what they have done is like exactly what we want to try to do. Like we yeah. have our Steph and Ja, we have our Clay and Bane, we have our Draymond and Jaron. Yes, they're completely different players. I get that. But if you look at like what we were doing with them, we are trying to let them grow. Like Bane played point guard in summer league after his rookie year. Why? To solely set him up to be the secondary ball handler, to do more next to Ja. Like all that was for a reason. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, you can see the wheels in motion. Um, and I feel like the Warriors were so similar. Like, when y'all y'all had so many tough run-ins in the playoffs, like the playoffs against the Clippers, the playoffs against mm-hmm. the Spurs, and you could easily be like, oh, they need this piece, let's go get it. Oh, they need yeah. this guy, so let's go get it. Y'all didn't do that. Y'all just continued to build and build and build and build and let what you have continue to grow and establish. And to Brantley's great point, it just kind of like, there you were. And then once you have your guys, like, well, this is just it. Here we are for the rest of the yeah. time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, you talk about the 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 Grizz see themselves as the new Spurs. The Warriors are trying to see themselves as the new Spurs. You know, I've talked totally. about how yeah. uh, I've talked about how like, you know, yeah, the, the three guys, right? Like 
Steph is the culture guy. He's like the center, the the Duncan, uh, and whatever if you want to call Clay Manu, and then um, Tony Parker and Draymond, whatever. Like that, they're there, and yeah, I think that's a a really good point because you know when you have that one guy, you have to just take advantage of it, right? And not yeah. every organization is, uh, knows to do it, and not every organization that even knows it is willing to do it. And uh, I'm not super familiar, but I have heard about, you know, the Grizzlies organization and that they're, they're pretty solid. So to me, uh, yeah, I could definitely see that. And, you know, with the Warriors, it's like when Steph got into the league, nobody, everything was kind of like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. His game's mm-hmm. translating to the, sure. to the yeah. NBA, that stuff he did Davidson in the in, in the, NCAA tournament, he can do here. And then the ankle stuff. And then they moved on from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, there were some moves that they weren't going, that they didn't make, thank God. There was the one where Kerr, before he signed, uh, or when he signed uh, with the Warriors in 2014 in the summer, uh, thankfully, thankfully, I always mention this every now and then, like Stan Van Gundy was up for that job and wow. he wanted to be like GM <laughs> or uh, have a front office title too. And I was like, no, 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 dodge, dodge that bullet. <laughs> and so they didn't give it to him. He didn't want the job. He went to Detroit, traded for Blake and blew that up. The yeah. fans were dealing with it until I a couple of good that. drafts. But then the Warriors got Steve Kerr because he didn't want to play or to coach for uh, the Knicks. But there was a trade on the table. There was a trade on the table that was discussed, which you may or may not know about, uh, was like some version of uh, with with the Timberwolves for Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond, and either like David Lee or Harrison Barnes, some combination, three-person combination of those dudes to Minnesota for Kevin Love. Right. And that was uh, uh, not anything I wanted to do. And luckily, Jerry West was still with the Warriors and he said he didn't want to trade Clay. He didn't want to do it. So they didn't do it. And just as as an aside, um, I always got to laugh at how much the Timberwolves have helped the Warriors build who they are because they passed on Steph twice. (laughs) They passed on Steph twice. Uh, You know, I guess the Warriors pulled out of that trade. Uh, And then, of course, most recently, they oh, gave yeah. us uh, Andrew Wiggins, who was understandably like needed a change of scenery. Uh, but they gave us uh, the pick that became Kaminga, who's actually playing really, really well right now uh, for D'Angelo Russell, a guy that they sat in the playoffs last season against oh, yeah. y'all. Couldn't, couldn't play. Yeah, they couldn't get there in, in the clutch. And uh, also, like they didn't extend him and he he's has no yeah. contract for, for next year. So thank you, uh, Timberwolves fans. You know, uh, I, yeah. I know, I know they're paying from making bad deals from way back in the day as a Warriors fan, but, uh, I just have to say, uh, you know, Merry Christmas. Talk to me a little <laughs> bit what, of, of something that you just mentioned. Like, so Grizz fans will remember like Kaminga struggled in our series with you guys last year. Yeah. You just mentioned that he's been looking better. What what have you liked from what you've been seeing from him? What should we sort of expect, maybe see from changes from him from what we've last played, y'all? Yeah, so Kaminga, he was he's still the youngest guy, I think, on on the Warriors, maybe like second youngest now. And he 
gives the Warriors a level of athleticism that I wanted to see against uh, the Grizzlies because when you know played in the play-in, he wasn't yeah. there. And uh, uh, what he tried to do over the summer was in summer league stuff. He was on ball a lot more, trying to do some. You know, I'm sure they were telling him to handle. You know, because the Warriors have a lot of wings that handle and uh, point forward stuff. And it was it was mixed results in the summertime, right? Like his handle isn't super tight. Uh, he needs to bring a little bit closer to his body, a little bit lower to the ground. It gets a little craftier with it, kind of just dribbles like up and down instead of left and right, you know. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, and at the beginning of the season, it was weird because a lot of us thought that he had the highest ceiling out of the three lottery picks the Warriors had, and um, he was he started he didn't start, but like he. He was in the rotation the first game of the season, and then he was out by the third game. So we just didn't know where he would fit. And then when the 0-5 road trip happened, uh, Kerr started putting him in more. And then at a certain point, at a certain point, you could just tell that something clicked for him. The Warriors system is you know, a little bit more complex than uh, some other systems. I don't know what every team runs, but it's a lot of read and react and wings have particular roles. So when you get in there, there's a lot of thinking going on. And what I noticed specifically in the Dallas Mavericks game, maybe three weeks back, was he was just reacting and he was just doing things. And last season, he got a lot of his stuff off of uh, cuts, backdoor, slipping screens, stuff like that, you know? And I think earlier in the season, he was trying to show more of what he can do. But then I think he's learned to kind of take a step back, do the things he's really good at, and then add some more of what he can do on top of that. So some of that is less successful and you know leads to more turnovers. So he doesn't do it as often. But you can see, you can tell when a guy is thinking the game. James Wiseman thinks the game, right? And that's probably obvious because mm-hmm. he's only played yeah. 55 NBA games in his life and three college games. But Jonathan Kaminga is just reacting. He'll make a ton of mistakes, sure, but not like the – he's trying to win instead of trying to avoid mistakes. And I've seen moments where he is vocal and where he can lead. And at 20, I find that pretty pretty promising. So uh, – and he's also – you know, you guys know about athletic dudes on your team, but uh, Kaminga is one of the more athletic dudes. He, he looks like he's hitting the rim almost every time he's a with freak. his head. Yeah, he's a, yeah, and he's a fast. He's, he's like a explosively quick jumper. He'll get to the rim. Clay Thompson yeah. can get to the rim, right? But that, you know, that's like molasses, right? Uh, but right, but right. like uh, uh, Clay Thompson just looks like a tall guy jumping. But like whereas uh, Kaminga, he just just gets there faster. Like that dunk he had on, uh, on uh, Jason Tatum in the Celtics game. Um, obviously it wasn't like, you know, one, two, three jump everybody, but you could just see that explosion there. So uh, I expect that he, to me, he's in the rotation. Kurt talked about how at the beginning of the season, there were like the foundational six or something. And I guess that's a starters plus Jordan Poole. I think by the end of this season, it'll be at least, you know, he'll, it'll be seven. I think mm. he's definitely in the mix. And people talk about, you hear talk about, like, oh, he's in trade talks. It's like, it would have to take something huge 
to trade okay. him because uh, yeah. uh, he is uh, – what are you going to get back for him that is going to be that much better, right? Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, cool. He's he's good. I, I, you know, there's Warriors fans who are out on him too, though. <laughs> like he stinks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they they right. want to see uh, they want to see. Uh, I don't know a young, whatever. Like people demand so much of these dudes in their second oh season, God. right? Like yeah. somebody posted an article of people complaining about uh, criticizing Scotty Barnes, and I haven't followed him very much, but like I get it. He's like twenty one. Want- yeah, yeah. People expect everybody to be Luca in their second year or whatever. Yeah, or sure. like Jaw, like Jaw was pretty good in second year, right? So like, yeah, yeah, you, know, you know, pump the brakes. That's it, right? For sure. Well, um, all right, go ahead. I was just gonna say, really, we're we're coming up on an hour, mm. Patrick. I'm gonna let you rapid fire us really quickly, and we we can do any like closing yeah. questions. But wanna wanna rapid fire some stuff because you sent us some questions too. Wanted to get. Let us answer any uh, of your questions from a Grizz POV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Um, okay, what's your uh, who's your best comp for for Jaw uh, now or even in the past? So is this mainly like the way he plays, like his game? Yeah, yeah, on the court. Okay, man. So this has been this has been talked about before. Some def- this isn't like an original thought, but. I don't know. Imagine Allen Iverson was just like way more athleticism and less of a jumper. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that has kind of been comped before is undersized, like heart of a lion just wants to like, wants to go at your throat every time he steps on the floor. And those, I guess, primarily being the, the same thing. Um, and I guess the other one is like a way more high IQ version of Westbrook. Um, mm-hmm. Just like with his crazy athleticism, the way he can get to the rim. Um, we have a guy on our podcast that I think he, I think he tried to blend Allen Iverson and Steve Nash into one player. And that would be Ja. Um, okay. The way that Steve Nash could read the game and just make every decision, know what's coming out of every pick and roll, reading coverages, but also has like just the crazy finishes around the rim, the cutthroatness of AI and just wants to kill you every time you're on the floor. Um, I mean, that would be like one of the greatest players in NBA history if you combine <laughs> those two guys. So a caveat there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can I can see where that would come from. I can see where that comes from. Yeah, I'll just say quickly, I've always sort of just said he just – he just reminds me of this more athletic Steve Nash. I just mm. uh, I don't think that I did the the hybrid you know of AI into to Nash thing. I didn't honestly watch a lot of AI, uh, but I lo- I loved Steve Nash. He's our other host, Will Walker's like favorite player of all time. And because I, I think when you watch a lot of Ja, eventually this sounds stupid, but his the athleticism part you kind of get numb to it because it just happens so frequently. It's like Steph, he just crushes threes all the time you're just all, oh this is just what Steph does that's kind of the athleticism part of John but the way like the way he reads games and has the ability to put people kind of like on his back in like that prison type scenario find different types of ways to get into the paint and find different people and also just sort of change the way that he's able to finish at the rim just kind of it's creative like Nash it's nowhere like the similar style, but Nash was just so creative in what he did that that's mm-hmm. to me what makes Josh special is his creativity on the court coupled with his obviously tremendous athleticism. 
That's fascinating. I've never heard that um, from from uh, my like outside of uh, you know I'm not in your guys' fan yeah. base, so like that's that's interesting. But real, real quick, like you didn't. I always like say D Rose. Is that not is that not one you guys talk about? Early, obviously so, pre ACL. Right. I, I mean, I think the finishing and the athleticism are on the rim. Um, I just know not, and maybe this is my homerism showing, but I think Jaws already then is already better than the best D Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Josh is better than that, but I do. He's better than, you know, potentially Westbrook too. Um, yeah, I think so. But I think it's, I, I do get that for sure with the yeah. athleticism, you know, essentially lack of a jumper early in the career. Um, but I didn't think back to Brantley's point, like I didn't really see D Rose as like creative, you know, he yeah. was just like a, a bull just rushing to the rim and like get out of the way. Or you're going to get dunked on. And yes, yeah. jaw has that to him too. But like in the pick and roll, for instance, like jaw orchestrates everything. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. remember D. I mean, that was a, a two or three year window when he was really good, but I don't really remember that happening as much. Yeah. Um, no, that's interesting. That's where the disconnect comes from. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting because um, as a as a, as a non Grizzlies watcher, um, the Steve Nash stuff I find interesting because I think that's an underrated thing about John Morant is uh, his like smarts and yeah. right. We see the the explosiveness, but uh, his ability to be a real point guard, a team point guard, which is why I think he's already better. Uh, I've never been a Westbrook fan because that, you know. For, for all yeah. the obvious reasons. Um, so I uh, find that interesting. And that's an um, interesting point, too, is because I remember when Draymond got interviewed not too long ago, and he was asked, like, who during, like, who do you go up against that you just know is, like, basically going to be like a chess match? And Ja mm-hmm. was, like, the person he named, which was crazy. And it was, like, I think maybe last year or the year before. So it wasn't even like that recent. And he was like, when yeah. you go against jaw, like he's gonna, he has the next moves. Like he's going to try to pick you apart and he's really smart. And he kind of knows like he can read things and he can kind of like, he can trick you and he can, you know, he can outthink you sometimes too. And I thought that was because Draymond's IQ, you know, is apparently through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool to hear a guy like Draymond, say that about Ja, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Next question. Is there anyone in the league you would trade Ja Morant for straight up? No. Okay. <laughs> Simple <laughs> answer. <laughs> just no. <laughs> <laughs> Julius like, Randall. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> totally. It's not like, a player on our team. I would trade straight there, up for Julius Randall. I Okay, we did this. We asked this question to each other last year. We we did our mm. overreaction podcast to the to the Bill Simmons like trade value list, and I was the only one who was like, I would I would say yes to Giannis, and I I would really 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 think super hard because of longevity with Doncic. I think that I would. I think that I would like to say that I would change my answer with that one. But the longevity thing with Jaw still makes me cringe. It's really hard to think about, and I think you have. I I I think you have to think about Tatum now, uh, in terms of like straight up. Like now, the culture fit fit with Memphis. I'm removing all of that. Like, mm-hmm. it's just pure basketball player wise. But there is literally there's no NBA star right now that understands 
that could I think fit and jive with the city of Memphis so well, like Ja does. There's just he's from the South. He kind of there's just there's all these like perfect alignment things in the NBA, NBA cosmosphere that just fits perfectly with the city of right. Memphis. Um, and so that was probably why my answer would really be no. If you're just like, doing basketball, my long-winded answer, I think I'd, I think I still have to say Giannis and Tatum right now. Sorry. Uh, I, interesting. If uh, again, not as a, a Grizzlies fan, but I would, I would think Giannis and, and Luca, I'm, I'm not a Tatum guy. Uh, I, I don't think he's that guy. He could be. He's young, but I just don't think he's that guy. Yeah. I think John Morant's proven he's that guy. But um, anyway, uh, next one is okay. Um, Love that question, though. Yeah. Um, so, all right. This is a, a Warriors based question. So, of course, James Wiseman is from Tennessee. Uh, I got to ask y'all, and you may say no. Uh, do you remember anything about him in high school or in his like three games <laughs> at Memphis. Okay. So in, in all transparency, we had to go to sort of like the, the scuttlebutt refresh, if you will. And get, you know, Memphis is a small town. I, when you, when you put that question on the list, I was, I was sort of just like, dudes, what do y'all, what do y'all kind of remember was happening around this? Cause I, I didn't, I don't go to Memphis Tigers games. And the, the kind of commentary was just, he's a great rim runner, great playmaker out of high school, always sort of struggle with decision-making. But the thing that I think that will be interesting, I think, to Warriors fans is that the rumor was that during his time with the university versus playing here in high school was that he, while he was suspended, there was all the NCAA stuff, the speculator, speculation was that he would he would not take the penny's coaching well mm. and so that was even though penny and him still seem to have a public uh positive relationship together people within the city sort of thought that wiseman sort of leaving or you know going declaring for the nba uh and on top of the ncaa piece of everything that there was some that the coaching piece of it was an issue um, mm. coupled with the fact that he was, you know, just more athletic struggle with decision-making. And I, honestly, those things together could be an interesting little tale of a little bit of obviously what's happening um, with that asset for you guys. Yeah. Uh, do you guys think he's a bust? I wouldn't go there. Um, I think, Wiseman mm. to me feels like going from a big fish in a little pond to a maybe little fish in a big pond. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at his, I, I didn't watch him a ton in, in high school, obviously he played three games in Memphis, but the stuff I did watch was like, you know, the little blurps they would do at the draft and stuff like that. He looked like he would just catch the ball, turn around and dunk and then jog down the floor and then basically do the same thing just every time down the floor. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, like, I remember watching him rookie year, like he showed flashes of like, maybe like dribbling up into like an 18 foot jumper and like nailing it. I just think like the next level stuff, right. Cause like everyone's in the NBA is talented. He has elite size and elite athleticism for that size. But like, does he get everything else? And I think to be like a great player to live up to your number two overall draft pick, 
like you got to do all the little stuff too. Like you got to know the moment. You got to be like unafraid, like you were talking about earlier. Like he doesn't shown that ability, right? Um, just like that dog in him, like that mentality, like to be really great. I think you have to have that. So I'm not going to call him a bust because I think he could easily. I mean, if you just look at like what DeAndre Jordan did for the Clippers, even though Golden State's offense is clearly completely different, all the Clippers did was just run high pick and roll with Chris Paul and you know, either DeAndre or Blake, and y'all just don't do that. Um, so it could be a, even a system thing, right? Like if you look at Wiggins getting him in a different system where he's asked to do different things, like if you did that with, you know, with Wiseman, who knows? So I'm not going to call him a bust because he's still so young. But yeah, it looks like a, it, fit, from, a fit problem to me. From an outsider perspective, it also to me is just like, man, it's so crazy that it, he that y'all haven't figured out how to make it work. If he's really this talented – I sort of just feel like the, the Warriors are the type of franchise and culture that are going to figure out how to make that guy a thing. For sure. And so that's where I'm kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready to say bust, but I'm willing to sell for whatever I could get for him. Mm-hmm, if, if, mm-hmm. That's, if I were a fan of the Warriors, that's the way I'd be thinking because it's like you guys have done well, maybe not in the the previous period of time you haven't had to rely on young people, but you clearly know how to get people who are willing to adapt their mindset to fit into a role that can help you win a championship. And if it's either his talent or his mindset that's not matching. And either way that might, that clearly is a reason that it's weird. And for a young guy like that, he he's in like the best position possible. He should want to adjust his mindset. He's playing with like all time greats. He could really, you know, contribute to a ring. It's just weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, a star-crossed early part of his career. I mean, the 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 three games at, at Memphis, and I think only one of those games was against a, a reasonable team. And then, right. you know, uh, everything stops with in 2020 with the pandemic. And then beginning of his, his rookie year, he gets uh, uh, COVID for a couple of weeks, doesn't train in like a two-week training camp. And, and then he every time he's getting good, he got – he got hurt like a tweak and then he tore his meniscus. So he hasn't played. And I think that's something that is, is tough because there's not much material on him from before he got drafted. Right. And there's, and there's really varying material on him since he got drafted. I can't blame Warriors fans for being frustrated with him. I get frustrated with him. When he went to the yeah. G league and I watched the G league game, I was like, dude, he should be, he should be mashing on these people, but he's, sure. he's kind of passive. So, you know, but I, I think he can get there and it's really, really like, uh, uh, it, but the other thing too, is like with the Warriors, it is like I was saying earlier, you have to like know and react and do something quickly. And not only has he not had enough reps with like the vets and the hall of famers, but he hasn't had enough reps on the NBA court. Yeah. And, you know, I laughed last season when Kaminga and Moody both passed him. Uh, he sat out all last season, but sometime in January, they passed him in number of games played. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that I don't, I don't think he's a bust. I think you can literally technically definitely see the uh, the talent. Like if you put him on a team, like honestly, I don't know, like Detroit or something. He'd be pretty good. I'd, I'd trade him for Isaiah yeah. Stewart personally. <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, uh, last things. I don't want to take up yeah. too much more time, but like, that's um, perfect. What is uh, just randomly? What is something that Warriors fans should be looking for from the Grizzlies coming to uh, Chase Center on 
on Christmas. I, I'm assuming that they're they're they're, they're hunting hunting season. Yeah. Uh I think the yes, I think our our eyes light up. Speaking of like Grizzlies players, like I think Jaw's eyes light up when he sees the Warriors logo. I think he's like, okay, let's let's go. Uh, that's what I loved about our playoff series. That back and forth when y'all beat us game one, Steph was like, let's go. Like walked up to Jaw after the game. We mm-hmm. beat y'all game two. Jaw immediately walked up to Steph and was like, we here, let's go. Like I love that they. A, I think like each other enough and are like very respectful towards each other, but also both of them are wired just like like you talked about dogs. Like mm-hmm. Steph and Jar are both just dogs. Like they're gonna go at each other constantly. I love that matchup. I hate that Steph's not playing. I think Jaw's been asked like who does he love to play against the most, and I think he said Steph. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, and honestly, I wanted to get to this question at some point, but I, I really do think the Grizzlies view the Warriors as like kind of a rival of ours. The Warriors, I don't know if y'all that's reciprocal or not. Um, I, I guess I, I would say from the, playoffs, I would say in the West. Sure. Yeah. I would say in the West, like that, I mean, for me, like that's the team in the summertime that, uh, you know, if the Clippers aren't much better, you know, if the Clippers don't, sure. Yeah. You know, I, I look at the, I look at the Grizzlies, like I told you, they were the team that I yeah. worried most about at any point in the playoffs last year. So I think Christmas Day, I think, and hopefully we'll have Bane back. So I think we will try to – I think you will see a lot of effort. I think, you know, if y'all are down, guys, I can see us trying to make a statement, and it may go horribly wrong. Um, but I could see yep. us trying to <laughs> put everything together for one night um, and see, see, see what well, happens. But I, I think there's a couple of – you know, we were sort of talking about the – you know, our – top three or whatever, haven't played on the court, you know, potentially it could be Christmas day is their first time. The, the other thing that I just, we're also playing a, 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 a rookie and a new face, significant minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Santi Aldama at the stretch four, who's replaced Kyle Anderson, David Roddy, who I unbeknownst to me is still getting tons of minutes. He's starting to look a little bit better. He's kind of a bully type player. Um, but I, I think that Warriors fans, if he doesn't get into foul trouble, I think they're gonna they should expect to see a different Jaron Jackson Jr. on the offensive mm. side um, of the ball. He he just is he's gonna look. I like to say he he just is now a man. Like he just has filled out. He looks like he now can understands how big he is from a length perspective, and he doesn't just look kind of like gangly arms just flailing everywhere. I mean, that still happens because he's so freaking huge, but they're just where there, uh, there are moments and he had a couple of big games against you guys in our series, but he just is starting to look a little bit more dominant in the paint. Um, that I would expect if he were to have a decent game, they'll be like, I don't know if he did that against us last year. I mean, he definitely had moments from behind mm-hmm. the arc and had some great defensive moments, but he just looks a little bit stronger uh, from a from a pure looks perspective, but also just the way he's playing, and if we if he's not in foul trouble, that he really is sort of this linchpin of a of the entire ecosystem of the Grizzlies from a defensive angle, protecting us obviously at the rim, but then also just giving us some strength, length, um, and some you know some some stretch uh, components to us that I've been very excited about, and I was a Jared skeptic, still sort mm-hmm. of am at least on the foul trouble side of things. 
Um, but that's one thing that I hope, and he's had a couple of really bad games as of late. So I'm really hoping to see him rebound against Phoenix and really hoping to see him rebound against you guys too. I hope he rebounds against Phoenix and uh, does terribly <laughs> against us. I love that's it. right. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's right. To hell with Phoenix. Well, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, Patrick and Ty, we're we're coming up on uh, a little over an hour and twenty minutes. This has been super fun. I hope nice. uh, everybody uh, gets to get this listen in before Christmas Day night. Um, so tune in. Um, go give Patrick a follow on all of his content channels. Uh, if you're not subscribed to our stuff, make sure you do that as well. Um, but guys, this was super fun. Hope you guys have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I'm going to say go Grizz. Patrick, if you want to say go Warriors, whatever, but go Grizz. And uh, this is super fun. Warriors. I can't wait to do it again soon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Hi, right. right, guys. guys. Uh, until next time, talk to you all soon. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the basketball podcast network and if you're so inclined please do leave us a five-star rating on spotify and apple podcasts and if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show on apple podcasts that would be hugely hugely appreciated and it would be very very helpful thanks that's it music in this episode provided by paper sun special thanks to paul amardo for production support see you next time